It's the Meg, John, and Justin, Justin podcast. podcast. Yay! We always do that. And then we applaud to ourselves, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, that's better. How? Actually, usually what happens is MJ's cat comes in and then knocks, knocks over, over the, the microphone. Or a yeah. glass of water. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but she's not here today. It's sad. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, good for everyone else. So... Um, MJ, do you want to introduce yourself first? Yes, so we're going to go around and introduce everyone on our panel. Um, my name's Meg John. We're going to do our pronouns as well. My pronouns are they, because I'm one of those non-binary people you've heard so much about. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, um, I do the podcast with Justin, and I'm also a writer about sex, gender, and relationships. I'm Justin. I'm a sex and relationships educator working with young people and adults. My main thing is BISH, my website for young people. used to stand for Best in Sexual Health. Now it's just BISH. It's one of the leading websites for giving sex and relationships advice to young people in the world. What are your pronouns? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a he. A he, him, his. So can we go around the panel and uh, hear a little bit about who you are as well? Hi, uh, I'm Jessica kelgren Fozard. I'm a YouTuber content creator, both of which sound terrible. I'm really sorry. Um, and I make videos and posts on Instagram that are kind of happy, positive things about various issues and just life with death, being deaf, uh, disabled, and gay. Cool. <laughs> happy stuff. What do you That's pronouns, what I do. Jessica? Sorry, again? Pronouns. Oh, my pronouns are she, her. And Thank I'm you. Sorry if it takes me a while to respond to people. <coughs> no, that's fine. Uh, my name is Captain Hannah Winterbourne. Uh, I am a British Army officer. Uh, I am a wife recently of four months. I uh, am a patron for Charity Mermaids and I'm a transgender woman. So my pronouns are she and her. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Sharae Giliberti. I am a TV presenter, an actress, content creator, Jack of all trades, put, kind of put my fingers in all the pies. Um, I am a she. Excellent. Cool. Thanks so much. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Yeah. It's like the first time I've had this many people. It'll be exciting. So it's because it's Pride Month, we're focusing on LGBT issues. Um, and we thought to start maybe with a conversation about labels, um, which is kind of one that crops up in LGBT circles an awful lot. Um, so, yeah, can you say a bit about what labels that you use? We've heard you know, some of them in the intros, I guess, but labels around sexuality and or gender and or relationships. Um, and maybe a bit about how you use those in kind of relationships and dating, because that's kind of the focus of our podcast. Yeah, and like how you feel about the labels yeah. as well. Like some people are really into labels and others are like... Yeah. yeah. Mm. Who would like to start? Okay. Um, oh, well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, you know, it might be controversial to some or not. I'm not really crazy about labels. Mm. To be honest, I couldn't care. Okay. To be fair, do you know what I mean? Like, you are who you are, and I respect other people and what their labels are and how they want to be, um, you know, uh, 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 known as or spoken to or whatever. So, for me, it's not, it's never been a, a major thing. You know, I've always been a she. When I was younger, I, I, I you know, I think I didn't know. Do you know, if I was younger and I knew that there were options, yeah. I probably would have been like, oh, I'm non-binary. Mm. Do you know, uh, because growing up as a little kid, I just wanted to be a little boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? And and that was that was that was five year old me who hated wearing a t shirt and was just always running around with just the bottoms on and mm -hmm. yeah. I feel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't know that there was an option. But yeah. you know, and then as I grew into a woman, I accepted my womanhood, mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'm all right with the boobs and the ass, and I like her boobs and her ass too. So that's great. Um, <laughs> so it worked out, you know. Um, but. Now that I know that there are pronouns and labels and so many labels aside from pronouns, mm. it's a bit overwhelming in, mm. in all honesty. It is at first very overwhelming. So when you start to learn about it or if you don't know about it, you're like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and then you start to learn about it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this because there are a lot of people out there who are they and not he or she or, you know, and then you, 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 get, you wrap your head around it and you're like, cool. You, and I believe in respecting other people and what they want and how they feel and what's important to them because it's not just about me. I don't live on this planet by myself. Mm. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other people on here too and you have to respect their ways and, and what they believe in. But one of those ways is to not feel that labels are that important to you. For it's me, like it's yeah. one of those things is exactly that, not to feel like labels are important, but to other people, they are, and yeah. that's perfectly fine. How about you two? My experience of labels is quite complex, I suppose, because in one hand, as a binary trans person and, a, and as I identify as a female, um, for a long part of my life, I really wanted the label of yeah. being female and, and as a woman. And then I transitioned and then not re I realized that that kind of label comes with a little extra label that says trans in front mm. of it. And you've got to be a trans woman. And it's very much about trying to find the aspects of my life where I'm happy to be a trans woman and the aspects of my life where I want to, to be a woman. And that label of woman in itself is, you know, is so loaded. Yeah. You know, I, when I first transitioned, you know, I thought, okay, great, I'm a woman now. Um, but what does that actually mean? What does that mean to me? What does that mean in today's society? And it took me, you know, two or three years into my transition to really understand what being a woman meant to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, realizing that it's more than just, you know, the way you dress or the way you present yourself. It's about how you interact with the world. It's about how you interact with yeah. other people. So my relationship with labels is... is is complex, but I don't, I don't worry about it very mm. much. Like I yeah. said, there are, I've had to accept that, you know, in, in a world where I'm doing kind of advocacy and putting myself out there to try and, you know, show that, you know, trans people can be happy and supported and have fulfilling lives, fulfilling relationships, etc. like that, you know, I've had to kind of sacrifice my ability to be, in inverted commas, just a woman. Um, yeah. But, you know, there are some times where I think, oh, it would be nice if, you know, you know, I like to program my life sometimes some trans-free weeks where I'm doing nothing trans-related <laughs> and just go, this week I'm just a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. How about you? I like that. I kind of agree with sometimes a label is really important and sometimes it isn't. Mm -hmm. I, I suppose the label that fits me best is lesbian. Mm. Um, and for my wife, it's the same. Yet, we always use the word gay Mm. I realize we always say that we're gay. Um, and I think we use it in the same way that people use queer yeah. to just mean part of this group of not straightness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we always use it that way. But it was, I think, at one point very important to me. I've always known that I'm gay mm -hmm. ever since I was a child. So I've grown up being like, I'm the gay one. Mm. And always been rather pleased. Mm. and quite liked that like I don't care what you tell me I'm gonna go fancy that girl in class next to me so whatever <laughs> uh, so it was really important to me as a child but now growing up and being married to a woman I think we just completely forget mm. yeah. all the time that we're gay and we live in Brighton so <laughs> so we're like we are the least interesting couple you can see <laughs> walking down the streets and then we go somewhere else 
even in London, um, like my parents live in Cornwall, mm. and we go and visit them and we're like, oh my God, we're yeah. lesbians. <laughs> It's curious how it Did gets you know? foregrounded at different times, like you say, different situations. Yeah. Yeah. Different indeed, indeed. It makes you feel so mm. odd suddenly. Mm. I quite like how you said that the, you know, it was your link to the community as well, because as a as a heterosexual trans person, you know, if I say I'm just a woman without the trans bit, then all of a sudden I've lost my link with the LGBT community. So yeah. it's quite, you know, which is in community that's been really supportive of me and a community that I love and cherish and so sometimes it's nice to to dip in and out you know and just say yeah. these labels apply to me at this time but not at that time mm. I love your idea for transfree weeks I don't oh you've got to do it just put it put seconds. it in the diary like this yeah, week and nothing what's <laughs> happening now <laughs> those things where a label doesn't really get at your biography like you know our biography can't really be encapsulated by one or two labels mm. but also there is a that the labels are important politically. Definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a cis straight guy. Mm. And so if, you know, for cis straight guys to say, oh, my label's not important to me is denying how much power and privilege they have, mm. right? So it's mm. important that we mm. hold both of those things together, isn't it, I guess? And what do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. And also, but it is curious to me always with sexuality, how it's like the, ge the gender of attraction label that gets foregrounded. So it's mm -hmm. like, are you, you know, gay, straight, bisexual rather than other aspects of our sexuality because there's just so much more to sex like yeah. but sort of you know what roles you enjoy mm -hmm. or kinkiness or asexuality tend to not get said as like this is me in mm. the same way as gender attraction does which I always find a bit curious too but I suppose labels are, are useful right so yeah. we use them to 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 work out how to interact with someone. So if you know what someone's label is, then you go, okay, I know that you're roughly this type of person, you know yeah. how to start that interaction. And then as you get closer to knowing someone, <laughs> maybe slightly more intimate, then those slightly more nuanced and more interesting sexuality labels can mm. come out and you can mm. use a bit more. Yeah. So I always think when I hear about stereotypes and thinking, well, stereotyping isn't always a terrible thing. It's a very useful cognitive process for us to use mm. to be able to understand people in large groups. And then yeah. you, but as long as you remember that there is an individual behind there that has all those nuances, it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like stereotypes can be a positive thing because they can help us to find other people within our own communities. Yeah. Mm. If we're looking around and we're like, oh God, I feel a bit awkward on this station platform. Oh, I, yeah. I feel a bit <laughs> scared. And you look around, you're like, she looks gay. I'm going to go stand next to her and we'll be safe together. <laughs> Finding your own, absolutely. I guess the, the mm. difficulty around labels in dating and sex, I suppose, is that labels come with them a whole lot of assumptions that people can kind of like impose on people. Yeah. Does anyone have any experience of, or thoughts about that kind of thing? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, you know, when, when you're a lesbian, and I don't, I don't know if you will agree with me here, it's like people expect something from you because you are a lesbian. So they either expect you to immediately be boisterous. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, you're a lesbian. Oh, so you're one of the boys. Yeah. Um, okay. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you know? Or they, ex you know, so you, you immediately put into boxes yeah. mm -hmm. of, of what is expected from you as a lesbian um, uh, or, you know, as, as most people say, well, you're a rug muncher, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I think on a on a on a sexual thing is um, it's quite it's, it's quite hard because you. You just want to. You just want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean. You just want to be, and you just want to be sexual. And it doesn't matter whether I'm a lesbian or not. You know, I've, I've, in my past, I had a lot of straight girls who were like, "Oh, the mm. lesbian." Mm. <laughs> yeah. I want to be with you, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> come, 
go play elsewhere. Go kiss your straight, <laughs> your straight friends. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, go yeah. do that. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you you kind of just you fall into it. It's just life, you know. You fall into it. And you lesbians always fall for the hot straight girl, and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> I suppose a lot Sorry. of those assumptions <laughs> that are right. made about people also are very heteronormative, and they're kind of placed on people who aren't straight. Yeah. Yeah, I find a lot of things about the performance of lesbianism Mm. is an issue for me almost. Because as someone who looks very... I got told I was high femme the other day. Apparently, that's my label. High femme. Yeah, 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 I guess that works. Okay. um, As opposed to low mask, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. We should start like a little... We'll start a little thing on Instagram. can swipe through until you get to high fan. Um, I found, especially as a teenager, that because of the way I looked, people would fall into two camps. There'd be the boys who would look at me and be like, ooh, I fancy her. And then I'd be like, no, I'm a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And to them, that's like, oh, performances. Oh, okay. So are you going to kiss someone in front of me? Oh, <laughs> yeah. How did you get from lesbian to going to perform for yeah, you? Yeah. This is not what this means. And then you get the straight girls who are like, I'd like to kiss a girl, and that girl looks the least threatening. <laughs> so I get all the straight girls who would like come yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, it's going somewhere. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to get a girlfriend. And then you kiss you once, and they're like, thanks, mm. bye. Don't mind me then, fine. Yeah. Just go sit in my lesbian corner again. <laughs> Yeah, I should just chip in a bisexual perspective on this one as well, because, yeah, bisexual label comes with a whole load of assumptions yeah. when it comes to sex and relationships. Like, um, certainly the assumption from a lot of straight and gay people that you're going to leave somebody from someone of a different gender to them or, you know, all this kind of that you're going to be greedy and promiscuous type stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, as a, uh, as a trans person, mm. you know, the label of being trans when it comes to dating is can be hugely problematic. Yeah. And sometimes coming from a very, you know, honest place, which is not a bad way, but, you know, still problematic and sometimes come from a very negative space, which is that people assume a lot about your body as soon as you say you're trans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we all know that there is huge diversity in the trans experience and what that means. But as a, uh, say, heterosexual transgender woman, mm. uh, that can be really difficult, really challenging because you're kind of caught in this little conundrum. Do you say, you know, this is who I am up yeah. front and fear people's going, I know what that is. I don't want anything to do with that. It sounds very difficult. What about the, mm. you know, between the legs mm. and all the rest of it? Yeah. And, um, or do you say, actually, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you get to know me. And then sooner or later, then you have to have a difficult conversation and being accused of lying or, or misleading. Yeah. And, it, and it's really challenging for, yeah. for transgender people. And, and it comes from, a, again, a heteronormative assumption that somebody's not trans unless yeah. they say, whereas it sh- yeah. shouldn't be assumed. And, you know? and it, and it yeah. stems from a like, completely misunderstood conception of what it is to be a, a trans person. I'm, I'm talking very bi- binary yeah. now, but you know, mm. that a trans woman is not a, is not a woman and a trans man is not a man. Yeah. Because then you have... You know, cis men who are dating trans women thinking, oh, does that make me gay? And, you know, to us in this, you know, very queer and open-minded community, that's yeah, obviously yeah. not true. But then, you know, and it's not just them. It's their mothers. It's their brothers. It's their mates down the pub. And it's yeah. this kind of whole societal understanding of what trans women are yeah. and trans men as well, mm-hmm. which then plays into effect. And it can be really difficult to, 
to navigate around that. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. and also a lot of emotional labor because then you're having to educate that person or even if they're okay, you're educating yeah. their whole family, like you say, once you've got together. So I just circumnavigated the whole thing and just dated a trans man, which yeah. worked out perfectly for me and I got married straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was and my yeah. way around. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that's the only way. <laughs> no, no. Do it. You don't have to explain anything to the in-laws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're already there. Everyone's yeah. on the same page. Apart from actually the TV remote, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the thing about um, the... Why? I mean, a lot of the work that we try to do in in our book and our podcast and in the kind of the sex education that we try to do is to be working is to be working with everybody and trying to tell everybody why this is good for everyone. It's better for everyone not to make assumptions about people's bodies, right? Or what yeah. kind of sex people yeah. might want. That's just better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that also then means that they're doing that work to actually stop being so cis-normative. Sorry, I'm throwing in all the, the, all the jargon. Not to just assume that yeah. everyone is cis. Yeah. Um, and not to assume what somebody's body is like if somebody is trans. And so yeah. that's the, the broader work that I think we could all be doing out there in the world. It's just trying to get those messages out to everyone using our social media, which kind of brings us on to the next question. Yeah. That was an amazing what segue. What a segue. Yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah. I'm a pro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're at the home of Instagram. Uh, so how important is Instagram or was Instagram and social media generally, I guess, in communicating with people both inside and outside your community? What an amazing segue. Yeah. Well, social media must be pretty much well, important to you, given that you're on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> social media is my life. Uh, that sounds so tragic. <laughs> but... The thing is, it is completely true, not for um, LGBTQ plus reasons, oh. but because I am disabled and I have uh, disabilities that mean I don't actually leave my house that much. Mm -hmm. Hi guys, this is my trip this week. <laughs> Good to see you all. So YouTube's been an amazing thing for me because I can work from my house yeah. and I'm not at someone else's beck and call. I film when I I'm able to film, I edit when I'm able to edit, and I upload when I can. Mm. And that's a wonderful thing. And, but also then creating a community online of people has meant that I actually have someone to talk to rather than yeah. just seeing the same two faces every day. Mm. Not that they're not lovely faces, but, you know, you need a group of people out there. And is that for you at that intersection of disability and queerness? Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is very much so. One of the mm. things I get a lot on my Instagram is people who are like, I am the same way. Because did you know, I love facts, did you know a one third of LGBTQ plus people have a disability or a mental health issue? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's huge. And that's just the people who are willing to share about it. Mm. It's probably a much larger part of the community. And it's been lovely to build that community and be able to talk about it. Yeah. And I also have a joint Instagram with my wife. Nice. Where we just post cute pictures and dogs. Because <laughs> nice. we have dogs. What and kind of dogs? Huh? What kind of dogs? Uh, we have a Bichon Frise called Walter. He's 10. He's adorable. He's like a grumpy <laughs> old man. And then we have Tilly, who's 18 months old. She's a pomapoo. She runs around everywhere. Wow. She's very cute. Okay. I really wish that sometimes we'd wake up and she was a real girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super broody. So that is like my big dream. It's ridiculous. I so know. nice though you curate your relationship on Instagram. So it's directly relevant to relationships. Yes. Yep. So it's very much about showing, like, you can have a positive, happy life. It's mm. okay. And a lot of the messages that we get are teenage girls. Our main audience is mm. kind of, like, it's actually about 10 to 20. Yeah. Is people who are like, oh, my God, I'm 11, and I think I'm gay, 
and I just want to marry like a pretty girl and run through a field together. And I'm like, here's a picture. <laughs> there you have you go. that field. <laughs> yeah, um, because we're both very feminine looking. Mm. Um, we also get like, oh, my friends said that I couldn't be a lesbian because I only like girls who look really girly. Mm-hmm. Mm. But then I found your Instagram and I was like, haha, they're married. Nice. So I like being people's trumped card. That's nice. pretty great. Really great. So you're doing like a political thing, I guess, as well, then, aren't you? You're doing activism through yeah. mm. social media. I, I call it soft activism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's where you can watch a video on my YouTube channel and you're like, oh, it's a lookbook about pretty vintage dresses. And I'm like, here's my wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. Great. Or like, I'm doing a hair tutorial. Here's my hearing aid. Mm. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where people just come away having accidentally learned something. Yeah. That's really nice. How about the two of you? Any, is social media important? Yeah, no, look, uh, Instagram has, and, and social media in general, has been absolutely fantastic with regards to uh, voices for people out there who yeah. themselves don't have voices, who are shy, who are in the closet, who are hiding behind whatever stigma they may be facing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I obviously, I use Instagram obviously to showcase life, love, uh, work and, and everything in between mm-hmm. um, but you know I'm out and proud so ever so often there will be a wonderful post about my lesbianism about the LGBTQ about whatever it may be within our spectrum um, and the response is always fantastic you know uh, across all of my all of my platforms um, I tend to get a lot of messages uh, DMs or private messages or whatever from young girls specifically mm-hmm. um, also ranging between the ages of maybe 15 to 24 who mm-hmm. are dealing with their lesbianism mm-hmm mainly lesbianism than anything else. Um, uh, uh, ever so often I get the odd, you know, bisexual, um, you know, girl who's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how, you know, how do I tell my parents? Uh, what do I, you know, how do I live a perfect life? You know, the other day I got a message from a girl being like, why are all women horrible? Mm. I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. <laughs> you just got a bad one. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so sometimes I'm an agony aunt um, nice. in that sense. Yeah. And other times um, I just, you know, I, I, I speak from a personal point of view with regards to the kind of advice that I give people. Um, I worked with uh, the South African Anxiety and Depression Group a lot when I was still living in South Africa. So I'm a huge advocate, um, advocate for like <coughs> mental health mm-hmm. and mental illness because I suffer from mental, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it's one thing that I strongly speak about all the time. And doing that through social media and through stories and Instagram, it's just fantastic because mm-hmm. you reach people who... To, to so many people, when you are a public figure or you have, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 followers, you're untouchable. Mm. Yeah. And when you, when you bring your realism through your page and your posts and your stories, then they're like, oh, I'm, I'm just like her. Mm. I'm just like them. That's amazing. I'm, you know, I'm no different. I'm going to the same thing. Yeah. So uh, I love the fact that we have an Instagram yeah. that isn't just a, a, you know, it started off as a place to just take photos and now it's you, you are telling stories yeah. and you are reaching millions of people all over the world, not just where you live, mm. but all over the world. And giving them hope by the sounds of what both of you are saying, yeah. that people are coming to you and feeling like Yeah, and I think for yeah. me, it's, it's very indirect. I haven't put myself out being like, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm anti-lesbian. Let me yeah. help you. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's not, it's just, it's been so indirect and it's wonderful to, you know, you 
you reply to a message and then a couple of days later they respond going, so I just came out to my mom mm. and it went, so okay, or thank you for your advice. And I'm just like, cool. Yeah. I don't need to go study psychology. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Anything from you? Um, my experience of sort of online communities, let's start off there. Yeah. Uh, so when I was struggling with my gender identity when I was younger, when I was a teenager, you know, these social media platforms didn't exist. Yeah. And I, you know, reached out through sort of sort of websites that were designed to that were trying to do the same thing but just weren't we weren't quite there yet and yeah. my problem was is that I was the internet was my space to express express myself you know I was I was in the military um, or I was at university living with men and you know all my friends are heterosexual cisgender men mm-hmm. and I, I felt very isolated in that world as much as I, I loved them they loved me yeah. I still felt very isolated and so I used to lock the door and the internet was where I used to express myself and that was yeah. how uh, through a computer game playing f- mm-hmm. with a female avatar mm-hmm. or or say going onto one of these websites but the problem was that I found was that I put myself on there and you maybe try and take a picture of yourself wearing makeup and a wig or something like that and you try and make the nicest image you can and then all of a sudden you were instantly fetishized yes and yeah. mm-hmm. you were completely reduced to just you know what people saw as a fetish that was it and yeah. That was quite difficult, and so I pulled away from the internet a lot, and all of a sudden, you know, social media's come along. Now, I was kind of out and done my transition by the time social media really got into full swing, and it's really nice to see now the contrast, which Mm -hmm. is that you are a a person that can select to follow other people. So you can pick and choose the part of the community or the, you know, this wide community across the entire world that you need. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, Jake, my husband, and I, we with our individual platforms, we put things up there, sometimes together, sometimes separate. And the people who choose to follow us are the people who need to follow us. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, quite often when we talk about role models, we talk about how important it is to have so many different types of role model. Because mm. I am a binary transgender woman, okay? And I can only represent that sort of small, you know, part of the community. And even then, you've got all the other intersections that, you know, I'm, that mm. I've got my privilege in being white and not disabled and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And so... People can go, that's like me. And then someone who needs, you know, another type of role model can go, that's like me. And all of a sudden, yeah. you tap into the community yeah. that you need. And I think that's really fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to wax lyrical about all the wonderful messages you get, but you do get some truly uplifting as well as some truly heartbreaking yeah. stories. But even those heartbreaking stories, you know, you hear messages of things like, you know, this is what I need today. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't care if I've got one fa- one follower or a million followers. Yeah. You know, if that one follower says this is what I need today and I saw it, it's so then great. that you know, yeah. that's yeah. enough for me. That's I think one of the really beautiful things about Instagram as well is the secret accounts. I call them. Mm. My wife's half Malaysian and she's Chinese Malay, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of followers who are from Malaysia or from Chinese families, China, anywhere in the southeast and they have secret Instagram accounts. So they'll have two accounts on their phone and they'll switch over. And they're like, I'm secretly gay, no one can know, Um, none of my friends know, none of my family know, but I follow your account because I want to see day-to-day life of a lesbian. So they'll have like their public one that all their friends see and it's like, here we are at school. And then they switch over Mm. and they're like, they're following all the lesbians and they're seeing wow. what lesbians are doing and they're like, I can't wait till I can get out. Oh. I'm going to come to England. We hear that so much. I'm going to come to England for university. Yeah. Oh, bless. And then I can be gay. Oh, I mean, oh those, honey. Those stories are so important from speaking as a sex educator. You know, there's, I, I, my relationship with social media is that I keep myself out of it. No one wants to hear from another white, <laughs> largely non-disabled um, 
straight cis guy, but um, who's middle-aged and middle-class. Um, I'm from Derby. I don't know. Maybe people n- do need to hear. <laughs> no, you are northern. I am. Like, well, north, north Midlands. North yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so my social media is like, there's a work me, you know, and I'm, you know, tweeting links to articles and putting things on, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. But it's so valuable for young people to be able to go and find other people who could be like them yeah. or who are like them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's tragic that uh, my namesake, Matt Hancock, the culture secretary, was talking about banning students from using mobile phones in school the other day. Like for a lot of young people in school, their phone is the only way that they can find a safe space for them to chat to people who get them. Mm -hmm. If you're locked in the bathroom because you've just been horrendously bullied yet again and you lock yourself in the stall and you get your phone out and you start swiping through and you're like, you can talk to your internet friends who you've never met, but they're also the only gay kid in their school. So you can talk or you can look at your favourite celebrity Mm -hmm. who's today having a great day doing something. You're like, yes, one day Mm. I'm going to get out of this situation. It's so vital to show people you can't imagine what you've never seen. But I do think it's important, though, that yeah. when, you know, you have those large followings and, you know, putting stuff up there, that you do sometimes show the more, the less glamorous, the less yep. kind of, um, you know, perfect aspects of your lifestyle. Because I think, you know, otherwise you're, you're in danger of telling people that you have a perfect life. And yeah. people that say, well, I don't have a perfect life, therefore I'm lesser. And so I think those of us that have followings, you know, we should be careful to make sure that we're putting on, you know, an even content. It doesn't mean it has to be negative, but, you know, no, just to show that you don't have point. a really perfect wonderful life all the time because I've dealt with people who yeah who get caught up in that and think that you know everyone else has got it much better than them and then it yeah impacts them negatively. there's a lot of shame in queer communities and it's and having points of comparison that are too perfect can kind of feed that shame mm. rather than helping with it yeah. in the ways mm. you've been describing so I think that's really important I always try and do like today I vomited five times <laughs> no yeah. or like I might look good in this picture but I have a hideous migraine <laughs> yeah this is the only time I stood up today but I guess there's a personal cost to that as well mm. right I mean you know where I mean well I don't know is there I mean the, is there for you a separation of what stays offline and what you want what you're prepared to put online and is does that affect it's you? a fine line Do you yeah. know it really is a fine line like sometimes I have massive conversations with myself before I post something. Like, I just want to be real and raw. Yes. Uh, right now, I'm feeling down. and Whatever it may be, like, I just want to be real and raw. And then a part of me is like, ooh, mm. how is this going to be taken or not taken? You know, and I think that we just in general have to stop with that internal conversation of no. If you want to put something out there, mm-hmm. even if, like you said earlier on, Hannah, when you, even if it's one person, I've always said it, you actually took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, if it's one too. person that yeah. you are reaching mm-hmm. that is like, I needed to hear that, I needed to see that, thank you so much, then do it. Yeah. Because it's not about your other, if you have 40,000 followers, it's not about the other 39,999, whether they're going to like it or not. It's about just put it out there, be yeah. raw, be real, be whatever. So it, it is a really fine line between what you put out there, how personal do you get and how impersonal do you get. Mm. Um, and I think it's personal choice. Yeah. Everyone's different. Some people want their whole life on social media, like from beginning to end, and other people do pick and choose. And some people only show the wonderful glamorous side. Yeah. Even if they're having a horrible day, mm-hmm. they're going to do their hair, they're going to put on their favorite shirt, and they're going to be like, mm-mm, look at yeah. this. You know what I mean? Duck face, mm, great day. <laughs> 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 do you know what I mean? Thanks for practice. But you know what I mean? And then yeah. you know, if you look at their feed, everything is just wonderful and fantastic. And when you actually meet the person, they're like, 
I have a tough, I have a tough life. Yeah. And you go, but your Instagram shows a different story. And they're like, well, that's Instagram, darling. You know, yeah. we tell a different story on Instagram. And I think that we don't need to do that. I it's think. a good thing for people to just reflect on, isn't it? It's yeah. like this, what is it open up? What is it close down is what we always say. Mm. Like if you don't share the vulnerable stuff, then like you say, you can become a pretty tough point of comparison for mm. people, yeah. but also it keeps you a little safer. But yeah. then again, mm-hmm. like I always try and keep my Instagram super positive. Yeah. Because I think... You know, if you're having a really hard day and you just want positivity, you know that this is a place that you can come that's positive. Yeah. So I delete any comment that is in any way negative. Like, if I don't, if it's not upset me, it's something that's kind of vaguely homophobic. And I'm like, oh, come on, that is ridiculous. Mm. But I'm still going to delete it because someone else might be coming to my page and that might really upset them. So I'm Mm. like, no, keep my place happy and positive. And if I'm sharing even like had a really bad day, this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong. And then I'd be like, but this went right. Yeah. Mm. So there's always that kind of happy, positive punchline. This is what we were saying earlier, right? Which is that, you know, you know, there's a huge diverse community all doing slightly different things yes. with their profiles. Yeah. And then you as a follower can go, this is what I need right now. Yeah. I know I can get my positivity here from that. And I know I can get my realness from this. Yeah. I know I can get this particular thing from that particular person. I think that's really useful. I love it. I mean, yeah. I try and divide my, my social media platforms by type. So I go, right, Instagram and, and mm. uh, Twitter would be my, my social media platforms that I put out publicly. And I keep my Facebook very private. So yeah. that's my... If, yeah. I, if I don't know you, if I haven't met you, you don't go on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. And that's where I can really say whatever I want to say in a more of a, you know, inverted commas, safe space. Mm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Instagram is, and is my main platform for saying, showing what I want to tell people publicly. Yeah. And that, you know, especially as a person who has a profile in a public organization like the British Army, I have to be very careful about what I put out there. You know, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're working for a big organization like that, what you say can be assumed to be the organization's view. So it's, it's very useful to me to have a very clear dividing line. But as for what content I then choose to put out publicly, I'm pretty relaxed. But there are some red lines there. Mm-hmm. There are things, you know, where, you know, I have to preserve myself you know I have to preserve my own relationship and everything that's important to me because mm. you know as my grandmother always told me you can't pour from an empty jug yeah you know, if you can't yeah, protect good yourself exactly. then you can't be out there for the people that need it at, the, at those times good exactly. advice your gran I feel like we need to open it up because yeah, 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 yeah it'd be really yeah. nice to hear from people so, in the audience does anyone have a question or call? yes straight away a, we wow. have a, Hi, gorgeous. I think thank you very much oh yeah there's a mic we need it on the mic yeah brilliant that one. You can say it again anyway, just yeah. for myself. <laughs> say it again. Yeah. Hi, you all look all oh, bloody hell. <laughs> gorgeous. Um, I'm Reed from the Sex Book. Come curious. Hi. Uh, I have a big question because I am guilty of it myself. How do you come across to your viewers and audience that you're not fake? Because Instagram, we're in this age of inadequacy. So I'm not wearing any underwear as well. Um, that's, <laughs> a short, that's a brave choice. I know, no I'm kind of enjoying yeah. it, kind of regretting it. <laughs> um, how do you put across to your audience? It's not just young kids that are doing it. It's older kids too. Uh, not older kids, adults as well. That They've got this idea of inadequacy. They look at a Instagram profile and they see this person's amazing all the time. I am not there, therefore I feel crap about myself. How do you tackle that? Mm. That's a good question. Yeah. Sorry. I say I think you need to, you know, we need to be a little bit honest with ourselves. And they say it's not about necessarily posting negative content per se. It's not about promoting negativity, but mm. it's just sharing your, you know, less than perfect experiences. Mm. You know, I know as, as you were saying, you know, Jessica, about the whole, um, sorry, uh, it was about you were saying. Sorry, uh, she was redoing the question. No, that's okay. Um, <laughs> It is about what you were saying, which is that, you know, 
you can say, this is my slightly less than perfect day. However, here's the positives that I've made from it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that can show that less than perfect nature. Um, I certainly with my profile every now and again not always because um it's a bit controversial but i put up before and after pictures of myself you know oh, my yeah, my yeah. changes from when i was you know presenting very male to where i am now can be quite stark and mm -hmm. sometimes people can look at images of me and say i cannot attain that i get lots of people messaging me saying things like you know mm. you know i wish i could be that beautiful and things like that mm. i think it's really heartbreaking because i knew that's how i used to think when i was you know when yeah. i was young mm. and so as long as people say oh you shouldn't you know dead name yourself or dead image yourself or whatever you want to call it i thought actually no i know what i needed to do at that age and I put a picture of myself but that's what I used to look like that was my identity and so if you think that you can't do it you can do it yeah. and so just trying to tap into some of those um, less than perfect experiences but bring the positive out of them I think that's a way to tackle that problem Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great yeah. question. Yeah. We should probably yeah. move on to another question. Yeah, and get yeah. As many questions nice to as get a few. Can. Oh, did you want to just? I was just going to say. Yeah. Um, I try and always keep my Instagram feed aesthetically pleasing, but I try and introduce elements that you wouldn't find in a normal magazine. So I'll have a picture of like, here I am in my wheelchair, but my hair looks amazing and I'm spinning and it looks so good. Or mm. here I am in my crutches. Mm. So it's giving the idea that because we've so normalised the idea of complete beauty and perfection, that instead it's, I'm trying to normalize the, mm. you can also have this yeah. and yeah, yeah. still be great. So you can use that and kind still of- still be fabulous. You can use disabled. that stereotypical image, but also twist it. And yeah, so I try and take like yeah. 1950s like beauty shots, but there's a hearing aid in it. Mm. It's yeah. to get that idea across as well. Yeah, yeah. great, thank you. Do you have another question? Over here, I think, yes. Hey, um, so I think that there's a lot of people who exist online and, and have profiles online who are very particular about keeping their relationships out and keeping it separate. Mm. I think it's really interesting as people who are influential um, in a way because of, not because of their sexuality, but that's a big part of, of why they're influential and why people are kind of interested to see about their lives. How do you feel about sharing your relationships or not sharing them online mm. and the impact that that has versus like keeping some privacy for yourself? Yeah, and it sounds because it sounds like both Jessica and Hannah have said about being in relationships and actually having social media around those relationships. So yeah, yeah. I mean, our wedding um, was on the front page of the Sun <laughs> a few months ago, so we oh, lost all, we yes, lost, we lost very little that. opportunity to, to keep it in a good uh, way. Uh, let's say it was mixed. It was um, mixed, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. This, so we decided that um, so both Jake and I, both transgender, and we both you know didn't think that we'd find love, we'd find the happiness and find the ability to get married and have all those things that, you know, we've traditionally wanted. Mm. And so when we did it, we thought this is something that, you know, we think we should be able to share. And so we also wanted to twist it upside and say, well, it's, you know, good, no good preaching converted. You know, I could tell you all here in this room, this really, you know, queer and exciting room, but like you're all, you all know this anyway. Mm. So we wanted to try and get it out into a, an audience yes. that doesn't usually hear it. So we, yeah. we went for the sun. Um, and so we gave them the story and they wrote a really positive article, but the, um, the headline writers gave it a less than perfect um, headline, which wasn't ideal. And that caused a bit of fury and all, mm -hmm. all went out there. What was but it? I felt for you because I've had a shitty sun headline as well. Yeah, I mean, so it's my lucky number two for front page of the sun. Um, oh. But this was um, uh, Tran and wife. So it was quite demeaning. Um, yeah. It was, you know, it, was just, it just wasn't a great headline. And, and I got a bisexual boffin. I'm a slut. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel what does that even mean as yeah. a sentence? <laughs> well, I'm the bisexual boffin, and apparently I'm also a slut. So, yeah, it was a long right. time ago. But I just wanted to have a little bit of some Someone sympathy there. Someone gets paid there. for this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do. My first oh. one was an yeah. officer and a gentlewoman. That's when they outed me. Uh, as a yeah, yeah, officer. Yeah. But, um, but in answer to your question, sorry, we got a bit um, uh, sidetracked there, which is that we decided to put ourselves out there because we think that's what people needed to hear. A lot of people like us. I knew something that I needed to hear. And I've said that a couple of times now. It's all about, for us, it's about trying to be the role model that you didn't have when you were younger. And mm. that's kind of like the way I look at it. And you want to be that relationship role model as well as just Yeah, because that's a really part of me. Now, I, yeah. Genuinely, before I met Jake, I thought I'd never find love. You know, yeah. I'd never dated before I met Jake. Mm-hmm. You know, this was you know part of my life that I didn't think was even vaguely possible for me. I thought because the way my body was, the way people perceived me, I thought it just wasn't something I could have. And so I didn't even think about it. And then out of the blue, it kind of happened. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is a message that need, people need to hear. But like I say, but we do draw very specific lines about what we what we talk about. There are you know things where you know we talk about intimacy and sex and stuff. And we go, that's you know that's really private for us, and we have to. You know, you have to draw a protective line. It's like, well, you can't pour from an empty jug. You know, mm-hmm. you need to be able to protect yourself enough. And that line is different for everyone. So there are some people who go, right, it's all out there. I'm happy because their line is, is like that. Yeah. They, they, are, they don't have to worry about it. That's how the relationship is set up. And there are other people where it goes, you know, just putting a little bit out there is too much for them. So it's not like there's a right or wrong way to do it. I just think that you and your relationship need to decide how much between the two of you to protect you both do you need um, to keep into intimately to just you two and then whatever's left then you're able to share yeah i i'm totally with you on the showing a relationship that you as a young person would have wanted to see and needed to see because i felt like i'm never going to find anyone who can put up with all this <laughs> like i went on about 70 first dates before i met my wife mm. and i had two second dates two that was it wow um and people were like oh you're you've got that oh okay, bye. <laughs> okay, good. Um, because it seems like, oh, it's such what? a lot to put up. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I have two genetic disorders and uh-huh. my nerves are all wrong and my connective tissue is all wrong, which is my organs. Everything and... else is wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. deafness and everything. And it's just, yeah. so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, this is it. I just want to get married one day. I'm going to be alone forever. And then I met my wife and she was like, Mm. and so you have that. Mm. But do you like National Trust houses? (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard line for me. (laughs) And what are your feelings on gardens? (laughs) Okay, we are meant to be. So we're going to be together forever. Nice. Um, And the thing about our relationship is that we, our joint Instagram, we do it together. Mm -hmm. She takes all the pictures. She is the photographer. She takes all the pictures on my Instagram. I'm like, I don't know. You do it. Mm. Um, And so we do that all together. But we also only post things we kind of stay really family friendly um because i want it to be for those teenagers and young people um so we try and keep it very much like stuff that we wouldn't mind our parents seeing mm-hmm. or our own children and if we write stuff it's all kind of like it's our true feelings it's all like lovey-dovey and stuff but we would never mention anything about sex right. or that kind of intimate yeah side of things and I do get that question a lot because people Mm. are like how do you have sex when you're disabled and I'm like no and and there's plenty of folks who do cover that kind of thing yeah like you're saying you know there's there's some really good stuff around trans and sex it does not everyone has to cover it Mm -hmm. but I'm one of those people who can like I can share my emotions freely Mm. 
but I can't share that yeah. other side. Mm. What about you, Charlotte? Is that... um, well, I mean, you know, me and my girlfriend, we don't, we don't share an Instagram or anything like that. We post willy-nilly, do you know what I mean? So ever so often, you know, both of our Instagrams are very personal to the both of us. Mm -hmm. um, me being a public figure and her just being herself. So, you know, when we do have posts together, they're awesome and, and we share whatever we feel that we want to share in that moment. And sometimes it is a quirky inside joke that maybe nobody will get, but that's yeah. fine. And other times it's a long lovey-dovey message of like how you are just the coolest person on the planet and I'm so glad I met you. And and it, you know, again, it reminds people of it's possible to find love. It doesn't matter how long it takes, you know, because I always get people being like, oh, I'll never find the love that you have. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it's, it's it, you know, you don't, don't search for it so hard because it does come. It's there. It's actually there. We all have yeah. the possibilities and the opportunities to have this amazing love. It's all there, you know. So we aren't heavy couples on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but, but like you said, you know, there are couples who are and there are couples who aren't and it's perfectly fine. And I respect, you know, she, she kind of works in like a bit of a, a bit of a corporate environment. And I respect that as well. You know, not everyone who works in a corporate environment in central London yeah. is openly queer and like wants to know that their colleague is queer too. Mm -hmm. So I respect that, you know, and, and we try not to be too over the top. But um, I, I love posting yeah stuff about us mm. uh because i know my followers love to see that and it, it attracts new followers and it helps young girls or boys out there mm. uh just go well there it is you know yeah. it's possible mm. hi um i'm lottie i'm also a blogger um hey. and one of the things that I worry about sometimes is the kind of emphasis that is placed on me as a content creator, I hate that term, but a content creator, uh -huh. um, to make safe spaces. And one of the things that I try to do is give a platform to people that don't have the same kind of privilege as me mm. and perhaps don't have the ability to tell their story to the platform that I have. Um, but I wanted to know from the panel, do you guys, um, do you feel that there's like a lot of pressure placed on us as public figures, as people that have this kind of platform to create safe spaces? And what kind of things would you suggest to do to try and make people feel safer when they're viewing your content? Mm. I think one thing that I would encourage people to do is to have a group agreement like we just did. Like, so whatever, wherever your space is, if, if you've got like a Facebook page or an Instagram feed, you can say what kind of messages and what kinds of comments are acceptable and what's not acceptable mm. and how you're going to deal with it so then if you do just delete people's comments, then, you know, they can't be pissed off because you said you've just broken rule number six. Um, <laughs> so I think something like that, um, you know, just in the way that we did, um, is, a way, is a way of actively creating a safer space because a lot of people just don't know how to behave in some spaces. And I think that's part of it. Mm. I definitely agree with you there. I think it's definitely about verbalising. You have to verbalize it. You have to just be like, this, this is the space that I've created for X, Y, and Z. And if you're going to come here and violate these things that we believe in, then you're not welcome here because it's not for you. The space is not for you. So I think we just have to verbalize. And that's what I find so lovely about the LGBTQ plus community mm. as of late, as of the last that we know of 20 years. We're out there making 
noise. We've been making a noise for years before then, but it's yeah. always just been like shoved under the rug. Mm. What? They made a noise? Cover it up. We don't want to <laughs> see that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now, thanks and thanks to social media, yeah. we can be louder and we can be prouder and more in your face and creating safer spaces for people who don't have it. And if we put the rules out there, then there are rules. And if you don't abide by them, bye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything to add? Not massively, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I think you cut it pretty well. I mean, I don't really think about cultivating safe spaces per se. I just make sure that the content that I put out there yeah. is never exclusive. And I liked what you said before about sort of deciding who to follow. For me, I was really surprised when I went on Twitter because I'd heard really bad things about Twitter. You know, I came quite late to it and thought it was going to be quite a negative experience. But by following just lots of particularly UK trans act activists, uh, I was surprised at what a safe and really encouraging and supportive, mutually supportive space that was. Mm. So there's something about maybe helping people to curate their spaces to make them safe enough for them in the ways that they want. I feel like I do a lot of curating my spaces and you were saying that as yeah. well. There are a lot of um, like body confidence Instagrammers who mm. will say, just unfollow someone if they're making you feel bad. If yeah. You're constantly seeing a picture of like perfect bikini body and you're like, oh, that's not me. Mm. Just unfollow them. Um, I think for me, I'm really, really fortunate in that I have an amazing community of followers. Yeah. I rarely get negative comments mm. on either Instagram or YouTube. And I mean, if I do, I delete them because mm. I don't want that to be hurting someone else. It's yeah. not hurting me. Um, but then the ones that I kind of get to a bit late, I find that the rest of my community will just jump on them. Yeah, nice. Like we had a wedding video and we were like talking about our wedding and stuff. And so there's the inevitable people who were searching for lesbian wedding mm -hmm. just so they can go in there and say something rude because they have nothing to do. Mm. Like, how bored are you? Mm -hmm. um, and if they'd leave, they'd leave a comment and then they get 10 underneath that were like, how dare you get out of here? Which is lovely. That's nice. Um, People so back think, you up, yeah. Yeah, that. so I think it's a lot about the community that follow you yeah. as well. I feel like it just, it feels so great to go on Twitter most days and somebody's saying something nice about one of my books or my projects. You know, mm. I feel like you get so much back um, from doing this kind of work. And again, you know, it feels like such an important responsibility then to do exactly what you said, to kind of raise up other voices as well, like, and also to, to try and create those safe enough spaces. I think also the most important thing is, is figuring out how to deal with the negativity because it doesn't matter what platform you use, there is always going to be yeah. that one bad apple, that one guy who's just coming and be like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know? So um, it, 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 it's about figuring out how to, how to get through that. And I mean, like with Instagram, it's fantastic because it literally takes a second to report someone, mm -hmm. to remove them, to block them, to get rid of them. Um, and I did that the other day, actually. Like, I'd never even used it. I always just delete comments as well. But we released um, the bully video. Mm. And there was just this weird troll that just popped out of nowhere. Zero followers, following two people, yeah. sort of commenting on Twitter, found my Instagram, comment, random comments on my photos. Like, uh -huh. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just being me. Yeah. And I realized, I, I figured out it was the same person from Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to just delete you. I'm going to report you. I'm going to get rid of you because yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. And it literally took me three seconds. It was just a bish, bosh, bash, report gone by. And yeah. they, were, they disappeared. And I was like, ah, carry on. Yeah. I think it's also with Instagram, it's really great that they withhold comments. Yeah. So then I know that no one else is seeing it. Yeah. And I can just delete it straight away oh, or that's just great. report it. Yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. to. 
be concerned about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Instagram has some really great No, they, exactly yeah, that, exactly. They really, really do. Work it's a good job we're here people. and we like Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Instagram terrible. don't tell us to say any of these things, by the way. <laughs> so I think we're actually running out yeah. of time now. So I think we just have time to thank our panel. So thank you to Shade. Thank, thank you. To Hannah. Thank, thank you to Jessica. Thank you for having me. And uh, we've hey. been the Meg, John and Justin podcast. You can find us in your podcast things on your phones <laughs> an, app? an yeah. app and uh, our website megjohnandjustin.com if you want to find our blogs as well and and read our book and read our sex book. how when and if you want to a practical and inclusive guide <laughs> um so uh thank you very much for being here and um uh see you bye bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>